Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Um, I'm pretty sure you can prove me wrong if you can, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time in the history of DR that we've had women preachers in back-to-back weeks. So Crystal preached last week, and if you weren't here, you can hear it, and you ought to, on the website or on the podcast. Um, it's just awesome to hear God's voice coming through Crystal's mouth. Like, um, she's not divine, right? Right? We're all human vessels. <laughs> we're, we're all human vessels, but I think God was active last week. And so I would love for you to hear that and chew on that and continue to receive from God. It was, it was awesome to have you share. Um, and I'm super excited for Tracy to come up. <clears throat> I want to pray for Tracy uh, as she opens the word. Father, thank you again for the morning. Thank you that we have your word, that you don't hide from us, that you reveal yourself to us. You don't stay hidden, and you tell us that when, when we seek you, we find you. You're a God who wants to be known, and you're a God who doesn't wait back hiding, that you actually come and pursue us. And I can't wait for Tracy to talk about that this morning. So be with her. Uh, if there's any anxiety, we pray that you'd Uh, Just give her peace in this moment, that you give her confidence in this moment, that you'd help her to trust you in this moment, and that you'd open us up to hear from you this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jenny. Good morning, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. The series that we've been going through is about listening to the Father. So we've been hearing that over and over each week. Um, I had the opportunity to, to preach at DR about a year ago. And that one seemed a little bit easier to me because in the middle of the night, God woke me up and he downloaded what I was supposed to say. So this time, uh, Shannon's like, let's put a date on the calendar. I was like, okay. And he's like, here's the topic. And so it was a little bit different because I actually had to pre- or like practice what I'm preaching today. I had to listen to the Father because this isn't about what I wanted to say to you. I really wanted to pursue God's heart for what he wanted for this morning. So I got lots of good practice. And the first thing that I felt like he wanted me to share, just like Crystal did last week, was a little bit of my testimony. Because raise your hand if you think testimonies are powerful. I mean, they're so powerful. They, they can transform. I mean, not only be sharing my testimony, but some powerful testimonies of some other people today um, via video. But um, this is a little bit of my testimony. Uh, I was in high school, and I went to Phoenix to visit one of my friends. She was 15 years older than me, and um, I just thought she was like the coolest person in the world. And neither of us really um, had a personal relationship with Jesus at the time, Um, but I remember distinctly we hopped in her green truck to drive out to the mountains that surrounded Phoenix to go on a hike. And I can't, I don't know, because this was a while ago, if it was a CD or a cassette tape, it might have been a cassette tape, which is kind of scary to think about, um, that she had in her car, and it was DC Talk. Raise your hand if you're a DC Talk. Look at, we got some DC Talk fans. This is like late 90s, early early 2000s. Um, so we have some DC Talk. So I didn't know who they were at the time, but she presses play. And what was interesting is she didn't have a relationship with Jesus either, but that's what she was listening to in her car. And etched in my mind were these verses from this song that said, there is hope for the hopeless, there is peace and forgiveness, 
and there is life in the red letters. At the time, I had no idea what the red letters were. I had never really had much experience opening up the Bible and reading it and knowing that the red letters are actually words that Jesus said himself that were recorded and how powerful that was. Um, but for some reason, I can remember that as clear as day. And that's going on 20 years, y'all, if that tells you how old I am. <laughs> um, and uh, I just, I, I think back to that. So even though I didn't know what it meant, there was something about those words that were very powerful then. So fast forward 10 years, I honestly was searching. I was searching a lot. I was dabbling in New Age religion. I was looking to angel cards and the universe to tell me what to do. I, anything you can think of New Age, I was full on into. And the law of attraction, if you guys have heard of that kind of stuff. Um, and I was still lost. I was still kind of in a broken place. And I had moved to Madison, and I had joined a business networking group because I was trying to grow my business. And I met this guy named Tony Tucci. Anybody know Tony Tucci here? <laughs> so a lot of us know Tony Tucci. And he's the kind of guy that you meet, and his personality and his charisma is very attractive. You're like, he just seems like a cool guy. So we decided to get together to learn more about business stuff at Barrique's Cafe in Fitchburg. So this is another moment I remember just like the day I heard those songs those words from that song, and we were sitting outside, and uh, we were talking, and somehow we got on the topic of this justice group he was leading. And I was like, oh, and he's like, well, yeah, this, uh, it's based out of my church called Damascus Road. And I honestly looked at him and said, who names their church Damascus Road? <laughs> like, because I, I had no context. I'm like, what does Damascus Road even mean? I had no idea. And so he just sat back, and he explained the story. He's like, Paul was driving... A, you know, on, uh, it was Saul at the time, going down Damascus Road to persecute Christians. And Jesus, he had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus knocked him off his horse. And later he became Paul, who wrote almost all of, a lot of the New Testament. So he was just sharing that with me. And I, again, I was like, wow, that's, that's a pretty impressive like, moment, like something that I just never forgot. And so he invited me to come to his justice group, and I came. And then he invited me to come to church at DR. So I'd never really been to a church like Damascus Road. And it was actually at East High School. How many of you were East High School? We got like, you know, 15, 20 of us, the toys in the back. We were East High School goers. Um, and Shane Holden was the preacher. And I remember one day, um, he was talking to us about how much God loved us, no matter what we did. Like, no matter how much we messed up, he kept calling us beloved. He kept using the word beloved in his preaching over and over again. And at the end of the service, he handed out roses to all of us. And he was talking about how much we're loved and how much we're pursued, no matter how many mistakes we all make in our life. And I remember looking down at that rose. And even though in those 10 years, I did go to two DC Talk concerts, I'm just saying. <laughs> so I probably at some point did hear the gospel. And I had some other encounters that probably did, but I didn't really get it. I didn't get it. But as I was looking down at that rose, that was the first time I felt like I felt the love of the Father. That was the first time I felt like, you know what? God loves me, even though I've messed up five billion times. That I am like, see, I'm getting emotional right now. That he really, really loves me. And I practiced this like 10 times, and I've never cried before. <laughs> um, but that he really, really loved me. And like that just like sunk 
deep into my heart that day. And as I was um, praying about today, he brought up the verse, um, John 6, 44, that says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on that last day. So as I step back and as I was prepping for today, I'm thinking about the God of the whole entire universe was pursuing me. Pursuing me in little moments throughout my life. There's many more I could give an example, but for time's sake, by etching in my mind, there's hope for the hopeless. There's peace and forgiveness. There's life in the red letters. By setting up a divine meeting with Tony Tucci at Barriques in Fitchburg, where he told me about what happened to Saul on that road. By pursuing me enough that I sat and for the first time, even though I might have heard it before, it clicked in my heart. And that's like a foundation thing. So Kenton was preaching a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about foundations of our faith, things that we always have to come back to, no matter what. And so this is the number one layer foundation that I want to set today, is that the God of the universe is pursuing you. And secondly, in John 1, um, 419, it says, we love because he loved us first. So not only is he pursuing you, but the reason that we ever say yes to Jesus and love Jesus back is because he loved us first. And that to me, if you sit in it, is absolutely mind-blowing how awesome and loving our God is. So foundation number one always has to be that the father that we're trying to listen to and follow pursues us, and he loves us. And that looks different for each and every one of us. But I think after we say yes to him, if we really take the time to sit back and think, we all have those moments. We all have those moments. So that's a foundation I, wanna, I want you guys to remember. And I just think it's really awesome for me to be able to, for the first time, to be able to really think of myself as beloved. Now, that word beloved might be a little bit of a, a weird word for people, maybe. I think of, you, how, we don't really hear that word beloved very much, maybe on a cheesy Valentine card somewhere, or um, that just might be a weird word for some people. But in Luke um, 3.22, when Jesus was being baptized, you guys remember this, the heavens open up, and what does God say over Jesus? You are my beloved son who I'm well pleased. So Jesus uses, um, he uses the word beloved a lot in his word. That's a word that, that, that is very, very important. And I think that's what got my attention when I was listening to Shane when he kept calling me that, because that is not something that you hear on an everyday basis. But you might be thinking, well, God is talking about Jesus. What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? And 1 John 3, 1 through 2 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Here's the word, right? Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is. But right there, it's saying that right now, when, is it, when are we children of God? 
right now. So, and later on, and I'll share in a second, that we're, that we're also, it, the word says we're co-heirs. So whatever God is saying about Jesus, guess what? Because of what he did for us on the cross, he also says about, about us. Crystal mentioned last week when she was preaching that over the years, Latoya and some of us have prayed probably for hundreds of people in some prayer ministry. And I would have to say the, the number one thing that we have to minister to people and help walk them through is what their identity is now that they said yes to Jesus. Because so many people are still living with guilt and shame for what they've done or what they're not doing. And there's a lack of understanding in their overall identity of who they are. And one of my favorite verses that I think puts this into really good perspective is uh, that is ministered to my heart and a lot of people that we prayed with is Isaiah 118. That says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. How many of you have heard that verse before? I think it's a beautiful picture because if you ever tried to get blood out of like a white shirt that's been on there for a while, it's really hard. It leaves this like, it, it leaves this stain. That's, even if you're scrubbing it and if you're scrubbing it. But this is a picture of how the Father sees us because of what Jesus did. That he sees that white shirt as white as snow. Like I know not a lot of us right now this time of year are probably big fans of snow. But go with me for a second. Have you ever peered out your window like when the snow is just freshly fallen and it's like glistening and it's beautiful? It's the kind of snow that you would tell your kids it's okay to eat. Like that kind of like really clean snow. That's how he like looks at us. Even when we've made mistakes. And even he knows that we're sometimes still going to mess up. And that's how he looks at us as white as snow. So I, I always come back to that idea, and I've shared that with, with many people as we've prayed, is that he, he doesn't see the stain. He doesn't see the stain anymore. And I just love the fact that we've got these two foundations going right now. Um, I love the fact that we are pursued by a father who loved us first, first foundation. Second foundation is that we have an identity as a beloved son or daughter because of what Jesus did for us. And I was, as I continued to pray and listen to the Father about what to share today, what to say today, uh, he brought this very distinct picture in my head of this woman and this song. And I was like, where is that from? Where is that from? And then I remembered it was from a documentary that I had seen a couple months ago. Um, the documentary is called... Um, Nefarious, and I've had to practice saying that word like 20 times. Because <laughs> when if you see how it's spelled, I was like, how do you say this? Um, so Nefarious, Merchant of Souls, it's a human trafficking documentary. And he clearly put this image of this girl named Annie that was in the documentary in my head. And so I was like, okay, so I'm watching the documentary again. I'm like, where is this moment that he put in my head? And so I found it. And I found the song, so I'm like, okay, I know this is it. This is for somebody today. I mean, it's, it's really ministered to my heart as I've watched it about 10 times as I've prepped for today. 
Um, but I wanted to share this um, about six minute clip with you all from this documentary because I think it is an amazing testimony of the power of God in the transformation that can happen when you realize once that you're loved and pursued and secondly, that you are a daughter or a son of the king. So I'm gonna set it up really quickly because this is like a two hour documentary and I'm giving you six minutes. So hold on here a second. So Annie, so the first girl you're gonna see in the documentary is Annie. She's got this long blonde hair with some pink stripes in it. And Annie was a high class call girl for 16 years in Las Vegas. She sold her body to a Japanese man when she was young because she had a dream that she wanted to go to college and she did not have enough money to pay for that. So she thought, oh, it's pretty woman. I'm gonna be able to make all this money and have this power, and then I can go to college. And she'll share her story. I mean, the details, if you wanna watch the documentary, it's free on YouTube. It's by Exodus Cry, that's who made the documentary. Um, you, you'll see, hear all the details of her story, but I just wanted to set you up. So that's Annie. Um, she, she talks about how she eventually um, was in a very desperate situation. She had been beaten up so many times that so bad she couldn't work. She had, her life was on the line many times and threatened because of uh, what, what the kind of world that she was in. Um, so you're gonna hear Annie's story. Second, you're gonna hear Helena's story. Helena's got some blonde kind of kinky-ish hair. Helena um, started to be sexually abused at the age of five. She was on the streets by the age of 14 and she was in prostitution for 26 years. Um, and so you're gonna hear a little bit about her testimony. And then finally, you're gonna hear from Don. Don works in Cambodia. He uh, works for an organization called Agape International. Has anyone heard of Agape International? Yep. And um, he shares a story about a little girl who is 12 years old. And for every day, for two months straight, uh, ex-Marine in the local area comes and rapes her. And in her journal, she writes, I am worthless. Now I know that I am just a piece of garbage and my life is ruined. Why would he do this to me? He's talking about the person that abused her. Why would he do this to me? So I know those are some kind of hard stories, but I promise this is a testimony and there's good news. And so we're gonna play the clips and then um, I will come back up and share a little more. And so that's when the heavy, heavy cocaine abuse came in. And I just wanted to disappear. I remember just lighting that pipe and just looking forward to that hit. All of a sudden I heard my ears just ringing really loud. And like everything went black. Like my eyes just shut down. My eyes were wide open, but it went black and I fell back. And um, I was having a heart attack. The pain in my chest was like, my heart was going and it was like, I felt like somebody was stabbing me with a knife in my heart, but I couldn't see anything. And all I could remember was that, it, it, you know, there was nothing but blackness around me. And just, I realized, crap, I'm dying. I'm dying. And all I could remember is Jesus. That's all I could think about was God. And I saw my life literally flash before my eyes. And as I called upon his name, I just said, Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> I'm, I'm alone. I'm sorry. And, Come and get me, save me from myself, I'm sorry. And all I could do was like say sorry, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was a prostitute, I was so ashamed. And the ambulance came, they took me in the hospital and the doctor came over and said, um, do you know how lucky you are? 
You have a lot of drugs in your system, lady. And you're allergic to narcotics. And he's like, God's with you. And I knew, I knew that um, Jesus heard my prayer. I was in such despair and desperation. I would really cry out to God, you know. And then one night, he appeared to me in a dream. I would go into this beautiful garden and sat on the bench was the Lord Jesus. And I would go to him, we would sit, and we would just talk about, I don't even know what we spoke about, but he never, ever once condemned me. I said, Jesus, I just want to see you. I want to know what you look like. I don't care about the movies I've seen. I just want to see you. I want to talk to you, I want to see you. And so he granted my request. I had a dream of him one night. And he came to me, and he didn't look anything like any picture, any person I've ever seen before. He was the most handsome man I've ever seen, beautiful. And he came to me and went this close to my face and looked into my eyes and read me from my baby until my perfect age that I was. Everything I've done didn't say a word to me and looked at me with love in his eyes like, I love you. He was such beauty and such love that emanated from him. I was just, I fell at his feet. I was like a dead person. And believe me, at that particular point in my life, I wasn't scared of much, but I was, and it wasn't like a fear he's gonna hit me. It was like who he was, who he really is. And I fell at his feet and I just was, I just cried and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry for what I've done. And when I got up, he'd say, Helena, I'm waiting for you. And uh, it was so beautiful, so, so gentle. And that went on for about six months. I, 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 I was always waiting for him to say a harsh word or condemn me, but he didn't. He said, I love you. You're healed, you're whole, you're delivered. And just like this fire was lit in me, and I just started to weep. And I just realized, God loves me. No matter what I've done, no matter all the mistakes I've made, no matter how many people I've hurt, he still loves me, and he can make something of my life. To think that he, he, he took me, I was nothing. I was late, when he found me, I was laying in a bed. I hadn't had a bath for a year. I was covered in abscesses where I'd uh, skin popped stuff, I'd miss veins, I'd cut myself. I was stinky, I was smelly, I was rotten. And he took me and he made me something beautiful. And to me, that is so wonderful. That is so worth giving my life to. And I just, oh, I just think he is so wonderful. And I don't want to stop talking about him because my heart just fills with joy. Oh, and I just want everybody to know about him, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. You think he loves you? Oh, I know he loves me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know he loves me. And it's real. He's jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy.
When all of a sudden I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me It's a happy ending to the story. <laughs> okay, she gets rescued. She comes to us. And uh, she begins to realize that she is a child of God, that she's a princess, a daughter of the king. <laughs> and and it, when she finished her therapy, she said, you know, she goes, now I know the truth about me. You know, God loves me. And I have so many people here who love me that I, I must, there must be something good about me. And I know that if I just try hard, I will have a great future. That God will give me a great future no matter what happened in my past. Amen, right? Isn't that beautiful? Uh, I love that Don says at the end that um, it's only when that she realized that she was a princess and how God felt about her. That's when real long-term transformation is going to happen, not just for that little girl in Cambodia, but that's what happens in our own heart when we realize that we are adopted into God's family because of what Jesus did for us. So that I hope, um, I think, I mean, I know I played that for a reason because he specifically gave me that picture. So I hope that's for someone here today that it helped their testimonies, helped you realize for the first time how much God loves you. Even if you've heard that 50 times before, that you understand it and you feel it in a, in a new way. Um, a couple weeks ago, Shannon uh, talked about our adoption into the family of God, that we're no longer orphans. So that little girl in Cambodia is no longer an orphan anymore. Um, she's got a new family. She's a princess. And um, he talked about Romans 8, 16 through 17. It says, the spirit of God himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So this is just a, it's a verse again about identity. So the second foundation is about identity. And I, I want to share a little bit more about um, what I've learned about that verse. So in the beginning of February, um, Karina and Keith invited everyone over to their house that wanted to watch the If Gathering. And we were, I was watching the If Gathering, and one of my favorite speakers, Joe Saxton, who have, I've had the privilege of getting to know a little bit and being mentored by a while back, um, preached on these very verses in the If Gathering. And she was sharing about the history of Roman adoption. It's a different picture than what we sometimes think in our head of what adoption is like. And so I messaged her on Instagram. And I said, hey, Joe, can you share with me how you, like, what resources you use to research adoption in the Roman time? And she recommended this book by William Barclay. It's a com uh, commentary on Romans. He talks a lot about the history. So can you believe the library has things from 1975 this book is from? Seen as better days. 
Um, but I was excited to dig in because what she was sharing really piqued my interest on how amazing the picture of adoption is back in the Roman time. And that's why Paul used this picture, because he was in that context. He saw what adoption meant to people back then. So I just want to share a little bit. So when you're adopted, and what's also interesting is a lot of times we think adoption is children, right? You think children are being adopted. A lot of times in those days, it sometimes often male adults, like it was an adult adoption too, not necessarily just children, which I think is interesting. Um, but when you were adopted into a new family, you needed seven witnesses. Like when you get married, how many? Oh, yeah, was six. Megan's like, that's six. <laughs> you need seven witnesses. I'm like, Milo, I can't count quite right. <laughs> um, you need seven witnesses. And when you think about things today like weddings, how many witnesses do you need? Like two, three, two, three. Um, but back in the day, you needed seven. So if one were to pass away, the next one could stand up and say, no, this le adoption was legitimate. So when you go back to the beginning of this verse, just think how cool God is that he knew that we would need to be reminded when Paul tells us the Spirit himself, so the Holy Spirit that is in each one of us as believers, that lives inside of us, is the one that's bearing witness that we are children of God. He knew that we would need that powerful reminder over and over, and he gave that voice to us that lives inside of us. I think that is a, a really cool picture to think about. And I'm going to run through just some quick points about what Roman adoption looked like so you can get the power of the picture that Paul is trying to paint here in Romans. And the first thing is that adopted person lost all rights in his old family and gained the rights as a legitimate son in the new family. It's the most binding legal document. He pretty much, he had a new father, end of story. The second thing is that um, he became an heir to the father's estate. Even after he was adopted, if the father had more children to pass the estate on, he, had, he was a co-heir with them and legally bound to his rights to that estate. That's very different in today's culture. Um, third, and the most powerful thing, is that the old life of the adopted person was completely wiped out. Completely wiped out. So if you owed money, you had any debts, every single debt was canceled every single debt. So if you were an older person coming into, being adopted into a new family, just think about that. Every single one of your debts was canceled. And in the eyes of the law, you were absolutely the son of the new father. And so what adoption means is yet you're a co-heir and all of your debts are canceled, which is the picture of what Jesus does for us when we say hello. And that's why understanding the power of what Roman adoption really looked like. Because if you look back in the Old Testament, they don't talk about adoption that much. And so this is real. Paul was really looking at what was adoption like in that context. So that's really powerful. I want you to think about how all your debts are canceled. And that's why he used that. Amen, right? Amen. So the, I'm going to wrap up here in a second. Um, in order to share this third foundation, I really need you guys to understand the first two. Okay, I can't give you this invitation if it's not built on the foundation of the first two things that I shared. One, do you guys all remember? One, you are pursued and loved first. You're pursued by our Father, you are loved first. The second one is 
that you are a beloved son or daughter. Right? That's the second foundation, that you have your identity rooted and grounded in that you are loved. And so as I was praying and preparing, this scripture came up in Revelations 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. Isn't it funny how we're going to be eating together in a couple weeks? <laughs> He's inviting us. Um, but what's interesting about this verse is that this is actually written to Christians. Because at first glance, I might think, well, you know, he's knocking at the door of people that don't believe in him yet. But he's actually knocking at the door to the church in Laodicea. And those are people who already believe in Jesus. So he's knocking at the door. So I was laying in bed, and I'm like, where does that verse, like, what does that mean? And I was praying, and he gave me this picture. Um, so I'm asking Jane to come up here. This is kind of a joke. So I was tech- we were at the IF gathering, and they were using props. And Jane's like, oh, I don't like it when people use props when they preach. <laughs> and so I text her this week. I'm like, so, Jane, I'm going to be using some props. And would you like to come help me use the props? <laughs> so she's so kind to, like, do this with me. So, so funny. So this is the picture I got. And she's going to kind of help me um, uh, flush this out a little bit. Um, so I got this picture of Jesus standing at the door. Okay? So he's standing at a door. There's a door between Jane and I, and he's knocking on the door. Knock, knock, knock. And um, Jane or somebody, there wasn't a specific person that I knew was standing up, but there's a person, and um, that person was holding stuff. And so I started praying about, like, what does this mean? Is this, like, something they're holding a basket of laundry? I just saw them, like, holding something heavy. And God started slowly revealing to me that um, they're not holding, like, physical stuff, um, but they're holding on to things like pride. They're holding on to things like unforgiveness, anger, bitterness. Um, they're holding on to the idea that they're unloved and that they're unworthy. Um, they're holding on to shame. They're holding on to guilt, the constant fear of rejection. That um, they're holding on to constant fear that leads to worry and anxiety. They're holding on to addictions, like shopping, technology, drugs, pornography, alcohol, whatever addiction that you can think. Um, They're holding on to busyness. This goes back to the first uh, week that Michael preached on this whole series. I'm so busy. They're holding on to their busyness. Can't even see Jane anymore. She's got so much stuff. And last, um, it's interesting that I picked this box up last. Um, They're holding on to secrets. Maybe it's a secret that they promised that they never wanted anyone ever to know. And when I'm thinking about prayer ministry, um, I would say I've heard more times than I can count people telling me things that they have never told anyone before in their life. And we receive that information without judgment, and we pray through that. And the freedom that I have seen come from that is mind-blowing. So it might be a secret. So, see? See, I mean, if I'm knocking at the door, do you see what, I mean, how can Jane open the door? Um, So thanks, Jane. So the reason we had to lay down the the other foundations is because you need to understand 
your identity before you can receive this invitation in not a condemning way. Jesus has that invitation. He told Helena, I'm right here. I'm waiting. He's always with you. He never forsakes you. We hear in the word that he does not put condemnation on us. However, in Romans 2, 4, it says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? What is intended to lead you to repentance? Kindness, his loving kindness, not shame, not guilt, not condemnation, but his loving kindness for you because he knows what you're holding onto is not good for you. It's not good for you. It's hurting you. You think about any of us that have kids, when they're doing something we know that's not good for them, are we going to tell them? So I was in the shower this week. God talks to me in the shower. I don't know if any of you, yeah, talks to me in the shower because it's quiet in there. <laughs> um, and he said, delete Facebook from your phone. Yeah, all right. Oh, Jesus, that's what someone just said. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And I was like, okay. And so when I heard that, I'm coming from a place of identity, that he loves me, right? He's not going to be telling me to do stuff to make me feel bad. So I took that as an invitation. Like, and so I was praying through it. And I'm like, you're right. You know, it's easy to grab my phone, spend a little time, a lot of time. Because since I've deleted it, I've caught myself going there, and it's not there to go to. But how many times that that was a distraction that I was using to maybe distract from other things, maybe that invitation that he's knocking on my door to. And so I say all that in that having to remember that repentance means simply laying something down. So Jane decided to lay down all those bricks and then her hands are free to open the door. And that's what I've seen, the freedom in dropping the stuff at the foot of the cross that is not what we're supposed to be carrying anyway. Giving it back to him, giving back my busyness. Michael talked about that in the first one. Giving the shame, the guilt. You saw the freedom that, um, that Annie and Helena experienced in that testimony when they gave that stuff to him. So um, James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another so that you shall be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God is dynamic and has tremendous power. How many of you want some power? Yeah, tremendous power. And again, this is another invitation to the power of, of if, if God brings something up in your heart. So the Facebook example, I didn't necessarily go confess that. I told a story to a friend, maybe for, but, but there's been things in my life like fear. At the, at the IF gathering, we were going around sharing some fears that we had, and I confessed that to my fellow believers and friends and said, you know what, I want to lay some of this fear of man that I've been holding on to down. And there's a power in setting that stuff down in a safe place with people who love you. So again, this all comes out of an encouragement, and it comes out of a place that you need to have the foundations. So I know I keep saying this, and as I was, again, praying for today, 
I was like, gosh, I feel like I'm saying some stuff that Crystal and Shannon and Justin and Michael have already said. Um, but I think he encouraged me just like how I had to hear things over and over again that th today might be for one person that experienced the love of God in a new way through testimony. And I needed to lay down those two foundations, and we have been for week after week after week in order to give the invitation to if God is pressing something on your heart. Because the word says, his sheep, my sheep hear my voice. And so he might be talking to you like he did to me in the shower. Um, that it's okay to get to somebody. It's okay to give them the stuff you're holding on to. It's an invitation. Also a little bit of a challenge, but it comes out of his loving kindness that we set some of this stuff down. So um, I'm going to wrap it up here. And like I mentioned, it was my prayer today that at least one person experienced the love of the Father in a new way. Because when we trust somebody, are we going to listen to them? Like, I, my dad's here today, which is really cool when I'm talking about the Father. And when my, I trust my dad. And when he tells me to do something, I listen. And we are much more likely to listen to somebody we trust. And if we understand how much he loves us and how he's pursued us, we're much more likely to trust that kind of father. So that is my prayer. But it's also my prayer, if you've never put your trust in Jesus before, this is his invitation to say that you have a father that loves you, a heavenly father that sent me down to earth to die for your sins. Anything that you've ever done can be wiped clean like snow. And I will give you a new identity that you can live out of. And Annie said, what did she say? She's free now. She's been delivered. She's walking in freedom. Her life is transformed and changed. And that's what he came down to do. Set us free from our sins and transform our lives here on earth. And that we don't have to wait till we get up there. Which makes it really awesome. So um, I'm going to call the, the band up. And they are going to um, play some songs. I asked Joe if he would play that, that song today that he's jealous for me. Because in that, that when I, my prayer time, that with Annie's face and that song, that he's jealous for us. He's jealous for us to like set that stuff down and give it to him. So if, if he's pressing something on your heart that you need prayer for today, find somebody that you trust, that you can pray with. Um, come to prayer night tonight. Uh, and, and I hope that you feel the love of the Father. And we also have communion available for everybody, and again, that is a picture of God's love for us. The, the wine represents the blood that Jesus like washes away and the importance of coming together and taking communion and celebrating what Jesus did for us. So um, I just thank you for your time today, and I'll be praying for you. And maybe I'm gonna just, just pray to, to close up, I realize. Um, Father, just thank you for the time. Thank you for being a God that loves us, that pursues us, that loves us first, that even when we mess up, because of what Jesus did for us, you see us as white as snow. And you're calling us to a relationship with you. You're knocking at the door. You want our hearts. You want all of us, not just some of us. You want all of us. 
So I pray, Spirit, that you are working in everyone's hearts. And because of God's kindness, if there's something that you want us to give to you that we've been holding on to, I just ask that you highlight, um, like Helena said, in that gentle and loving way. But thank you for being a God who loves us, pursues us, and speaks to us. Just pray this in Jesus' name.